All right, so um, as Justin has already said, we have been in the book of Jeremiah, and up until last week when Jay preached, uh, I preached on chapter 31, um, up until then, it's been a lot of like doom and gloom and like pretty nasty stuff. Like we've seen just Israel go, Israel and Judah just go so far like into idolatry, idolatry and so like turning their backs on God. It's just, it's not pretty stuff. And, and God, through Jeremiah, has declared judgment and declared that I'm going to destroy Jerusalem. I'm sending the Babylonians. And, and up until last week, like last week's now like, okay, wow, there's some hope. And Jay, Jay preached on chapter 31 and on the, the new covenant. And so it's been little glimpses of light, but it, not many until last week. Last week has been like hope. There is hope. There is going to be restoration. And so this week, if you guys do have your Bibles and you haven't already, you can turn to chapter 32. But chapter 32 very much parallels uh, chapter 31, um, new covenant language. Um, the difference is chapter 32 is very much a narrative. So I'm happy I got this chapter because it's it's a lot of story. A lot of it's it's a really cool story. And so, um, also as Justin has already mentioned, I have uh, I've graduated from college this last Friday and graduate and it's yeah. Thank you. I, I started I started at Hack in 2010 and spent three semesters there. I took a semester off, thinking like, you know, what what do I want to do? What where do I want to go? And I really felt called to go to Lancaster Bible College. So I spent the last four years at Lancaster Bible College. Uh, first two semesters, I only took two classes. And it's been a really, really long journey. And I, I'm so, like, I never thought I would actually graduate. I wanted to, to be there as long as I could and to grow in leadership. And I just never thought I would be in the place in life to, to be able to keep taking classes and to pay for it. And, and God just really enabled me. But let me tell you, the last six years, though, there's been a lot of, like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if, if I'm going to be able to make this. Like, a lot of nights I prayed to God, like, if this is what you want, you, you are going to have to enable me to do this. I will, I will keep pressing forward despite feeling like all the odds are against me. But they, those moments, I'm just like, I need God to enable me to do this. And I think all of us here can really relate to, maybe it's a time you're going through now, but there, there are times that all of us have gone through that we feel like we just can't, there's no way that we're going to make it through um, without, like, without God's divine enabling. Um, maybe it's, it's someone in your life, a family member, a coworker, someone in your schools, uh, someone you know that you don't really have a relationship with, but because of where you're at in life, you, you, you have to interact with them. And they just seem like an impossible person. And maybe it's someone you want to build a relationship with, but they just seem, it just seems too impossible. Or maybe, maybe you're in a stage in life like, I was in college. Like, it's easy to look back now. Like, ironically, I graduated. But, like, to look back and be like, wow, I can't believe college was easy. No, it was, it was really hard. Maybe there's a stage in your life that you're like, man, I just want to get to the next point. Um, or maybe, maybe God has given you something that you did not ask for, and you feel like, man, I, I just I can't handle this. I, I can't do it. Jeremiah 32, though. Jeremiah finds himself in a situation that just seems too, like, impossible, like, too out there. Like, he is in a spot that he as, hasn't asked for. Um, we're going to start in verse 6, but just kind of um, sum up the first five verses. Jeremiah has been imprisoned at this time. He's been on the streets. He's been preaching God's word, saying, Babylon is coming. And actually, Babylon is here. They are in the moment besieging Jerusalem. And, and he is prophesying, and, and prophesying literally against King Zedekiah, like a very personal 
prophecy. You, King Zedekiah, are going to be taken captive, and you are going to face King Nebuchadnezzar face to face. And so King uh, Zedekiah hears of this and arrests uh, Jeremiah. And we see in chapter 37 that but after he got arrested, he was actually beaten. And Jeremiah finds himself, he finds himself in this court of the guard. And scholars go back and forth. They're not sure, but it's very possible that this court of the guard that Jeremiah is in is this non-enclosed place. Like, it could have been this place where he's in prison, but he is, he's open to the elements. Like, this is not a, a good place to be in. And so King Zedekiah comes to him while he's in prison and says, Jeremiah, why are you preaching this? Why are you saying Babylon's coming? Why, why are you saying that I'm going to be taken captive? Like, why are you preaching against Judah? And Jeremiah responds, verse 6, Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you and say, buy my field that is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption by purchase is yours. Then Hanamel, my cousin, came to me in the court of the guard in accordance with the word of the Lord and said to me, Buy my field that is at Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, for the right of possession and redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So Jeremiah um, gets the word of the Lord, and, and God tells him, Listen, your cousin Hanamel is going to come to you, and, and he's going to ask you to buy the field. The right of redemption is yours. Kind of a quick history lesson. Leviticus 25. So land for Israelites is very, very important. It's very central to to life, um, like Israeli life. Um, To have land is to be a part of the covenantal community. And so for whatever reason, his cousin Hanamel is coming to him to to get rid of his land. Uh, We don't really know why. My guess is that Babylon's coming. Babylon is currently besieging Jerusalem. He wants to get out of there. He wants to, he wants to sell his land and make a little money and just go. Um, and, and we're not sure if he has any kids because who you would sell the land to would be a close relative. And ironically, Jeremiah is the closest that he goes to, his cousin. So we're not sure if he has kids. Um, but it's very important to keep the land in your extended family so that you would be a part of the covenantal community. Um, and so Jeremiah, he, this happens, his cousin comes, and Jeremiah's like, oh, this, this, God spoke this. This actually, this is the word of the Lord. Verse 9, and I bought the field at Anathoth from Hanamel, my cousin, and weighed out the money to him, 17 shekels of silver. I signed the deed, sealed it, got witnesses, and weighed the money on scales. Then I took the sealed deed of purchase containing the terms and conditions in the open copy and I gave the deed of purchase to Baruch, the son of Neriah, the son of Messiah, in the presence of Hanamel, my cousin, in the presence of the witnesses who signed the deed of purchase, and in the presence of all the Judeans who were sitting in the court of the guard, I charged Baruch in their presence, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, both this sealed deed of purchase and the open deed, and put them in the earthenware vessel, that they may last for a long time. For thus says the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Houses and fields and vineyards shall be bought again in this land. So Jeremiah, the word of the Lord comes to him, tells him, listen, your cousin's coming, buy the field. The right of redemption is yours. And, and his cousin comes and he buys the field. And he's, he's, he's in prison at this time. He's in the court of the guard. Jeremiah, this guy is, is crazy. This guy, in the midst of being in prison, 
buys a field in the midst of Babylon besieging Jerusalem, what a, what a time to be like transacting a, not even transacting, making a transaction of real estate. Like what an ironic time. He is buying land in the midst of like J- Judah is done for. Like Babylon is coming. Like, so like we read this and it's easy to be like, wow, I want to be like Jeremiah. Like I want to have like, I want to have as much faith as Jeremiah. Jeremiah is in the worst situation possible and he obeys God, and he does it, and he declares, you know, in verse 15, that God is, is going to bring restoration, and that fields and houses and vineyards, they're going to be bought and sold again in this land. Like, Jeremiah's faith is unreal here. And it's easy for us to be like, wow, I want to be like Jeremiah. I want, but it, Jeremiah, like, he obeys God, and, and he, he, he's completely obedient, and he declares God's goodness. But, like, this is like, an impossible situation. Like, destruction is for sure. Babylon is besieging. And, and we see that inside of Jeremiah's heart, like, he starts to question, can this be for real? Can this be, is this legit, God? Is this, like, are you actually, can you bring restoration? And, and Jeremiah prays, like, the most beautiful prayer. Verse 16, And I had given the deed of purchase to Baruch, the son of Neriah, I pray to the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show steadfast love to thousands, but you repay the guilt of fathers to their children after them. O great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord. You have shown signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, and to this day in Israel and among all mankind. You have made a name for yourself as at this day. You brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a strong hand and outstretched arm, and with great terror. And you gave them this land in which you swore to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey, and they entered and took possession of it. But they did not obey your voice or walk in your law. They did nothing of all you commanded them to do. Therefore you have made all this disaster come upon them. Behold, the siege mounts have come up to this city to take it. And because of the sword and famine and pestilence, the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans who are fighting against it. What you spoke has come to pass, and behold, you see it. Yet you, O Lord God, have said to me, Buy the field for money and get witnesses, though the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. (coughs) So, Jeremiah just, he, he just prays this beautiful prayer. Like, God is, is so great. And he goes down through the, the history of Israel. Like, nothing is too hard for God. And that, that is a reflection of Genesis 18, where God asked Abraham, is anything too hard for God? That, that question is, so, like, so, like, essential to the Judaic thought. Like, is anything too hard for God? And, and so Jeremiah, like, like, we have to really think about this situation. This situation is, like, unreal. God asked him to buy this land and declare that God is going to bring restoration. But, like, it just seems too impossible. Like, this is equivalent to God asking us to buy, to lease a few cabins on the Titanic, like, knowing full well the destruction that lays ahead of the Titanic before the Titanic even departs. Like, that, that, that is very much equivalent to this, of God asking Jeremiah to buy this field in the midst of, like, knowing destruction is, is going to happen. Like, this is so unreal. And Jeremiah, like, he wrestles with God. Like, can, is restoration 
can this truly be God? And, and it's, it's, not, it's, it's good. Like, this is a good thing that Jeremiah is wrestling with God. But we, we, need to, we need to remember that Jeremiah was human and that he didn't, like, follow God blindly. Like, he, he had full faith in God, but he still wrestled with the thought that God is going to restore. Um, and God responds. God responds to Jeremiah in verse 26. So where the Lord came to Jeremiah, Behold, I am the Lord, uh, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? And so God, like, God responds back, like, Is anything too hard for me, Jeremiah? Everything that you've just said, Jeremiah, down from saving my people from Egypt to now, I have declared everything that's happened. Like, I am in control. I have the power to restore. And God continues in the prayer. And it's the same stuff that we've read about and learned the last couple months. It's, it's just not pretty. Like, God tells Jeremiah, my people have gone so far astray, and they've gone so far away from me. They, in verse 30, in verse 30, for the children of Israel and the children of Judah have gone, have done nothing but evil in the sight from their youth. Like that, that is a very, that's a, a parallel to what Jay preached last week. Like ever since the Mount, Mount Sinai, the people have turned their backs on me. And my people have continually turned their backs on me. And they have gone so far away from me. They have set up idols on their roofs. And they have, they've set up idols in my house, in my temple, in a place that is, is supposed to be a place of holy worship. And, and they have gone so far that they are sacrificing their own children to the false god Molech. Like they are sa- they, child sacrificing. Like this is, this is disgusting, like nasty, like destruction. Like God's own people are the people of who are bringing injustice and, and bringing systematic, like, evil. Like, this is, this is just not pretty stuff. And God declares, I am done with Jerusalem. I am I'm sending the Babylonians in, and I'm destroying this, this place of evil. Like, it is done. And, and it's, it's just like the people of God have turned their backs over and over and over and over against God. And they have just been the people of injustice, and they... And, and God is saying, like, I'm done. I'm destroying the city. And you would think, like, you know, how can God even, how can God even deal with his people anymore? But the beautiful thing about our God, the beautiful thing about our God is instead of saying, you know what, I'm done with these people, it is in the midst of the, just the most broken situation that God says, I am going to restore you. That I, uh, there is hope. I am going to bring you back to this land. And, and not only that, I am going to bring a new covenant. This is like, this is so unreal. That God, like, is not going to give up on his people. Instead, he, he makes a, a plan, a great plan. Verse 36. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city to which you say, it is given into the land of king of Babylon by sword, by famine, and by pestilence. Actually, before we read the New Covenant, I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you guys, the questions I asked you earlier, the questions of what has God placed in your life that you feel is too hard? Okay, what, what are the situations that you find yourself in now that you feel like you, it's just too hard and it, it's, you just can't do it? Or who are the people in your lives, the relationships with your family, 
or friends or coworkers that you feel like you know, God can't bring redemption into this situation. God has declared that nothing is too hard for him, and, and we see that in Scripture. Like, nothing is too hard for God. And Jeremiah declares that, and Jeremiah walks in obedience. And so I want to ask you guys, what is God calling you to, to walk in obedience in? That, that God wants to enable you to, to walk in. Like, it's not this thing that you are on your own and you have to do the best you can to be as good as you can. No, God wants to enable you to be able to, to do what he's calling you to do. So I don't know what that is, but whatever, whatever that situation is, like, think about that. And so then, verse 36, um, New Covenant. Now therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the city of which you say, it is given into the hand of the king of Babylon by sword, by famine, by pestilence. Behold, I will gather them from all the countries to which I drove them in my anger and in my wrath and in great indignation. I will bring them back to this place and I will make them dwell in safety. So God is declaring restoration here. God is going to bring back his people. And by God bringing back his people to the land, the people will know that they have this new favor with God. But it doesn't, it doesn't end with just restoration in the land. God is doing this, this crazy new thing, this new covenant. And they, they shall be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way, and they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children after them. I will make with them an everlasting covenant, and I will not turn away from doing good to them. Like God, God desires to do good to his people, but because of the old covenant and because of sin and generational curses and all of this, like God has to bring destruction on Jerusalem. The people have gone too far. And, and he has to destroy the idols. And, and God doesn't, God does not, he's not pleased with like destruction and uprooting. And God desires to plant his people into, into where he wants them to be. God desires to do good, with, good, do good to them and, and just lavish his goodness on them. That's what he really desires. That's what God wants to do. But because of the old covenant, he can't. And so God is making this crazy plan, this new covenant, where he can just lavish his goodness on his people. Yeah, I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them, and I will put the fear of me in their hearts, that they may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing them good, and I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and all my soul. That's like the only time we read that in Scripture. I am going to plant them with all my heart and with all my soul. And this new covenant is going to be this covenant where they have the law inside of their hearts. It parallels what Jay was preaching last week. In chapter 31, verses 31 to 34, like, I will put my law within them. And, and they can't help but to, to worship me and do, and do good. They, they will be my people, and I will be their God. And it's just this, this crazy new covenant that God just so desires to love his people. And, and in the midst of the most broken situation, the most ugly idolatry, and the most ugly injustice, God, instead of turning his backs on his people, is saying, I am going to bring restoration. There is hope. Like, I'm doing this new thing, this beautiful thing. And so, yeah, it, it's just, it's so, when I was reading this and studying this, it was like, wow, the occasion for this new covenant is like the depths of his own people being unfaithful from 
Mount Sinai from the beginning over and over. That, that is the occasion for this new and better covenant, this covenant of just grace upon grace and this covenant of divine enabling. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans 5. This is where we're just going to, we're going to close with Romans 5. Okay, this is where, this is where a new covenant um, is, is seen in Jesus then. In verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because of all sin. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, and even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. So because of Adam, sin came into the world. And because of all of us as his descendants, like sin, like sin is just all over the place. And death has reigned. Like this is the most dark situation. This is, this is a situation of hopelessness. This is a situation that just seems like is impossible to redeem. But God redeems this situation in verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass uh, brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. So the occasion for this new and better covenant, this covenant of grace upon grace and of divine enabling, the occasion for this awesome covenant is death and sin and his people being unfaithful and having no good in them and and having no power to choose God. Like this is the occasion for this new and better covenant, this covenant of from death, this covenant of a free gift of life and of righteousness that God freely gives. We as his covenantal people, like it's just this crazy, like we see it in Jeremiah, the occasion for this new covenant is just sin, death, and unfaithfulness. And in the midst of that, God is doing a better thing, a thing that he, that will not restrict him from just pouring out his goodness and his love on his people. It's just it's such a beautiful attribute of our God that in the midst of our unfaithfulness that God just wants to pour out his love and his grace on his people and it's not just this grace of that oh you're you're forgiven like it is that but it's it's so much more like you continue reading Romans in in this new covenant it's this grace that transforms this grace that redeems you this grace that enables you to be his people as we read in Jeremiah 32 like, his people are going to be able to walk in obedience. And God desires that. God desires to enable you to do that because he knows in and of yourself you can't do that. And God desires to enable you to do that. So whatever situation you find yourself in, whatever, whatever relationship that seems too far gone, or whatever it is that God has given you that feels like, that you haven't asked for, that feels just like it's too much. I'm sorry, team... You can, you can come up. 
whatever whatever situation whatever that is like god desires to see you walk in victory in that like nothing 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 is too hard for god god is the god of the impossible and god has done the impossible in jesus jesus fulfills the covenants and he brings and he brings a new and a better covenant, a covenant that the relationship between God and his people is completely fixed. And the relationship is this relationship where God, like, he doesn't want to bring destruction. And he can't now in this new covenant. Like, in this new covenant, God just is going to pour out his goodness and his grace on his people. And not a grace that just forgives, but a grace that transforms and enables you to walk as whatever God calls you to walk in. And so that... that that is just a beautiful attribute of our God. Let's, let's close in prayer. Father, we are just in awe of who you are. You are a God who has never given up on your people. And in the midst of your people just turning their backs on you and, and going into just the worst idolatry and, and things that you have never, like, it never even crossed your mind, like child sacrifices, that you don't desire, like that is just so against who you are, God, as a God of life. And God, you desire, you desire life and redemption and freedom for your people, freedom to be who you call us to be in whatever situation we find ourselves in. And so God, we just thank you for being a God that has given us all the grace that we need for whatever situation that we find ourselves in. And Jesus, we just thank you for the free gift of righteousness and life that you just lovingly, willingly bestow on your people. Jesus, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Cornerstone, a couple closing words. First, the end of Jeff's passage, um, Jeremiah 32. For thus says the Lord, just as I have brought all this great disaster upon the people, so I will bring upon them the good that I promised them. So Jeremiah is in the midst, and remember this letter wasn't, this is Jeremiah, this is to the exiles. And so in this place, Jeremiah for years has been saying this destruction is coming, this righteous judgment has been coming. People are like, no, we're fine, everything's coming. It's like God is promising that this is coming. Now they're in the midst of it. They are seeing the fulfillment of that judgment promise. But what does Jeremiah, what does God say there? For thus says the Lord, just as I have brought all this great disaster, now it's proven because this disaster is hit. Israel, Jerusalem, besieged, overthrown. Just as I have brought all this great disaster upon this people, so I will bring upon them all the good that I promised them. All the good that I promised them. And so there's this, there's almost this weird hope for the people in Jeremiah. This judgment has happened. Woo! Why? Because it says that what God says is true. And God's word came true in the judgment, and guess what? God's word has come true and will continue to come true in the promise of restoration and redemption. And that's awesome. So just as Matt was talking about the fulfillment that we're already in, I also want to encourage you as we leave this place of the fulfillment that is not yet. We see this in scripture all the time, right? This fulfillment of the kingdom of God that we can taste and see right now. And yet we know and we look around us and things aren't restored in totality, right? 
that there's people here with broken hearts. There's a world outside of this place that is um, still, you know, under the weight of sin and darkness. But that restoration will come and was already set into place by the cross and by the resurrection of our Lord. So just as Jeremiah didn't see the restoration of Judah and Israel, and yet he was faithful in those places, that he heard God and he loved others and he loved God in the place of that. So I just bless you, Cornerstone, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that in the midst of the fulfillment that we experience in Christ right now, that you hold on to that future hope, that fuller, full fulfillment of the fulfillment that is to come. And may that hope drive you. And may that hope speak to you in places of lament and of darkness and of this is impossible. No, as Jeff's text said, or as God asks, is anything impossible for me? Is anything impossible for me? So go cornerstone with the hope of Jesus and restoration to come and also go in the strength and the peace of the restoration that has already happened and begun. Thank you, Father, for today. Thank you for the word through Jeff and Matt. We praise you. We honor you. In your name we pray. Amen.